1: and reflect? How intentional have you been with surrounding yourself with rock stars, with badasses, with people that are encouraging you to live your dream, people that have resources and have the ability to impact your life in a positive way? Or are you surrounded with some people that are struggling and maybe, maybe are pulling you back and are creating doubt in your life? Or maybe a, a cast of characters in your life. Whoever you surround yourself, though, I think we can all agree is going to have a ripple effect in your life. So the good news is that if you choose a group of people, a tribe of people that are high achieving, motivated, uh, happy, it's going to accelerate your success. I think we can all agree upon that. And that's the whole point of this show is to introduce you to people who have broken through, defied the odds, made a difference in their life. and, And for you to be able to add them to, you know, having them as a mentor as part of your peer group. However, when you're ready to truly start the path to financial freedom and fulfillment in your life, then you can find out about this concept called the mastermind groups. And if you're a high achiever, then I have a mastermind group that's got some room for you. It's a community that's going to blow your mind and what it will bring to you and the impact it'll have on your life. I certainly know this because I've been doing this for eight years and there's nothing I've seen in the personal development field that's more impactful than the powerful curated mastermind group. So all you have to do is jump on a call with a team member, go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and have a conversation with one of my directors of opportunities going to explain to you what that community is all about. See if there's a fit on both sides and then watch your pathway to success become very accelerated. So go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. All right, this is another episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Rock Thomas, your whole life millionaire mentor, and I am rather stoked about this interview. Check this out. Steve Sims who you may not know, but is the author of blue fishing, the art of making things happen is a sought after coach. He's a speaker on a variety of networks and groups and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice now to date. Did you know that he has worked with Sir Elton John, Elon Musk and sent people to the sea of the wreck of the Titanic on a seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party? and then had Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they were eating their pasta. This guy has been a creator of epic events. He's gone from basically a door guard bouncer to creating conversations with millionaires and billionaires because of his desire to be around people. So you are in for a treat because we are going to have him share his story about how he's gotten around these people. And he dropped some nuggets. When it comes to what is the conversation with millionaires and billionaires, three really, really good points. So I want you to grab your pen and paper because this one is an episode you're going to want to take notes and you're going to want to listen to it more than once. So can't wait to get to the conversation with Steve Sims. Welcome, Steve. I am stoked to be talking to you live. I imagine you are currently holed up somewhere in England, yes? Actually, no, I'm
0: in Los Angeles and I've just woke up. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're in Los Angeles. Are you living there now? Yeah, I've been living here for about uh, 20 years. Okay, fantastic.
1: So that's amazing. Tell me a little bit about how that, um, you know, from from childhood to moving across the pond and now living in L.A. Tell me a little bit. Give us the backstory.
0: Cool. Let me see if I can condense this in like 45 seconds. Uh, Born in Reading, raised in Walthamstow, uh, East End Bricklayer no future, no hope, no no social platforms to prove to me how inadequate my life was. So I didn't know what I was missing out on, I just knew I was missing out. So I went on a worldwide journey, literally, to try and find, hey, there's gotta be something better in my life, tried so many jobs because the only thing I'd ever been doing was literally construction uh, and manual work. I tried stockbroking, truck driving, car sales, cake sales, door-to-door insurance, um, ended up landing on my ass uh, with no hope, no future became a dormant again. Cause it seemed to be what God built me for to be big and ugly. Um, and it was from that point, I noticed that I was doing things wrong because rich people acted differently. They talked differently. Now I'm talking about rich people. I'm not talking about the wannabes, the ones that think they're all that the egos. So, I needed to find a reason. And as I was a doorman, I knew where all the nightclubs were. So I used to start knocking around with the richer people going, Hey, what are you doing Tuesday? There's a new nightclub, but do you want me to get you? And I started becoming basically the Google of the best nightclubs of this area. Now I've got to tell you, I'd moved so far away from where I was. I was physically living in Hong Kong. Now, you know, I was that much of a hunt. Um, Cause all the opportunity apparently was there. And I thought I could make up a resume on the flight over and it, you know, it didn't get me anywhere apart from being on the door. I went from getting people in the nightclubs to throwing private parties. So I was a party promoter. Then I started taking over yachts and mansions. And then I started noticing that they wanted certain things. So I was getting cars and jewelry and I became I became the person you needed to know if you needed something. I was basically the the, the, the real-life Ray Donovan. I was the connector. I was the fixer. And this was all in the early 90s, before the word concierge was ever uttered outside of the hotel. So I became this concierge by default. And I went on this 20-year history of launching the world's first personal concierge firm, Only to billionaires and multi millionaires. Um, And along the way, I sent people down to the Titanic. I got them a piano lesson with Elton John. I got them drum lessons with Guns N' Roses. I closed down museums in Florence for a dinner party of six and had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them during the pasta. So when that was all starting to happen, I became the experiential guy. Um, And Forbes called me the real life Wizard of Oz. Now I'm glossing over that quickly because you need to understand, I never wanted to be a concierge. I never wanted to be the guy that sorted out your fantasies and got you a Hermes bag ahead of the line or got you into a club that you weren't on the guest list for. I did it because I wanted to be able to be in a room with rich people and find out how you thought, how you did things, how you perceive things. So it was a Trojan horse for me to kind of like do all of my research, and that's what got me to where I am today.
1: Fascinating, fascinating approach that is very, very exceptional. So I have a bunch of questions that, that are, are popping right. up for me. So it's rare to be able to be, a lot of people are intimidated by successful people. You were very curious. But what was the secret sauce for you to be able to be comfortable being
0: around celebrities and them being comfortable with trusting you? Well, see, the funny thing was I ended up getting celebrities because I ended up getting the people that backed them originally. So, you know, there were so many billionaires that look at Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's famous all over the world. The guy basically shops at Gap on a regular basis and looks as though he can't afford a, a good meal. Okay. Right. <laughs> when you get to that level, uh, your know, Warren Buffett is still driving the same car he's had for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and ju- he still eats at Burger King. So yeah. when you get to that level, you kind of don't care anymore. Right. Now the funny thing is, and I can tell you a story that I had in Walthamstow. I, when I was a young lad and I've always been a biker, but I'm still a biker. Me and my mates, we went to this pub and in this pub was this local guy then at the time I had a supermarket and a gas station. Okay. Now I had heard his name, but I'd never met him. But to me, this was like Richard Branson. This guy owned two things, you know, <laughs> he was like the superstar of the village. Wow. Uh, and as we got in there, my buddy turned around and went, oh, so-and-so's in here. And he was holding court with the pretty girls in the bar and a couple of guys. And I went, that's the guy. And he went, yeah, it is. And without me thinking about it, I walked over to the guy and I went, hey, how you doing? You don't know me, I'm Steve Sims. And he went, oh, hey, how you doing? He went, hey, I'm just getting a beer. Do you want a beer? And I went, yeah, sure, cheers. And he got me a beer. Now I thought to myself, result. You know, I don't have to pay a beer. And bear in mind, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And I was just being you know, cheeky, cheeky London chappy like we all are. But something hit me. Cause when I turned around to my buddies to find out if they wanted a beer as well, they were pinned up against the wall. They literally had not made a step towards this person. And I realized then that there was something different. There are people that get terrified and run away and you use the correct word. And then there are people that are curious and lean into it. And I was the guy that lent into, yeah, why are you rich? You know, why have you got this? Why? I wanted to know. I was like a little kid also at the time. My wife said to me that I had the superpower of ignorance. Mm. I didn't, I didn't have that fear. And so I have quite often turned up at events and walked up to, you know, Elon Musk. And I name famous people, but I'm telling you, 75% of my client base, you've never heard of, but they are they are richer than all those other people. Uh, uh, but they, they don't have the, the doors open. And so that's how it happened. I was ignorant rather than fearful. Had I known who I was talking to, and there's been many a time when I've talked to people and they've gone, Oh, well, I didn't know you knew so and so. And I've been like, crap, did I just have a half hour conversation uh, with him on, you know, how to make a good old fashioned? And you know, I may be speaking to like the defense secretary of the US. Um, you know, it just it's it's uncanny, but I am always that curious, giggly little child. That just wants to find out why do you see things differently?
1: You know, that's so interesting because I think when people let their their brain be run by fear, they make stuff up in their head. And I had a friend of mine who was hiking the other day. Do you know who um, David Goggins is who wrote the book Can I Hurt know Me?
0: David, yeah, I do. Yeah, I know
1: Tucker Max. I know the whole people around
0: right. him and the book,
1: yeah. So she's going for a hike and this guy pulls up in a truck beside her to park the car to go for for a run, obviously. And somebody else says, oh my God, you know who that is? And she didn't know who he was. So she walks up to him and she goes, apparently you're somebody famous. Am I supposed to get a picture with you? And he's like, I don't just give up pictures. She goes, well, I guess you're not that famous. And she walks away and he goes, hey. Hey. Hey, come here. I'll take a picture with you. Right. So it's a little bit of that. Like you said, that that piece of ignorance, a piece of innocence, a piece of of just being so relaxed. And rather than you can feel somebody being nervous and intimidated that, you know, if you're familiar with the concept of rapport, rapport is being in a sense of likeness with another person. But I never heard this before, Steve, but I heard it the other day. They said, if you're in sales and you're nervous about the sale, you can cause the other person to feel nervous. Yep. And then they're Absolutely. not gonna even
0: know why they don't wanna make a decision. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No one does anything when they're nervous and confused. One of the funny things that hit me when I was a young lad, and it's it, it was trivial at the time, but has led me so far. And it's funny enough, I actually live down the road now from where they shot it. but when I was a young lad in Reading, um, I went to the movies and I saw the movie Point Break. Do you remember that? Yes. And there's a moment in there, and as I say, I live just down the road from where they shot the movie now, but um, in the movie, there's a part where they've got Johnny Utah and they're taking him to the bank and they're forcing him to be involved in the heist. And Bo Cipher turns around and he says, fear causes hesitation, and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Now I was a kid at the time when I heard that but honestly for the next 10 minutes of the movie the whole adrenaline action scene following that I actually missed because that article that statement stuck with me and I thought to myself do I hesitate do I do I get do I stop and I've always, I install it in my kids. I install it in me. It's like a mantra to me. I'm not going to wait because it's that hesitation that creates stagnance and a cancer in, in order for you to get any kind of progress or growth. It's not good.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. We have heard that before, he who hesitates loses, but it's yep. that, that lack of actual mental and physical commitment that creates the uncertainty that leads to mistakes. So yeah, full on with you. So you obviously got into a lot of rooms with a lot of cool people, a lot of people that we don't know that are billionaires and successful behind the scenes that you've been able to create some experiences for. You've now got a book called Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Yep. And you're sought after coach and speaker on a lot of networks and groups and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard. So tell us a little bit about that book within it, because that's probably 20 or 30 years of your experience.
0: It was a shock. Um, many things happen when you're in the right rooms. So I always focused my entire life to make sure I'm in the right room. I had a saying before I knew about the five people. I always used to say, you are the room you're in. So I was at a party in New York. Someone had told some stories about what I would got up to. She came over and she went, oh, you should write a book. Now, we all hear that. She happened to be one of the heads of Simon & Schuster, one of the largest publishing houses in America. So I was like, wow, okay. And you think what you do may be a little bit cool, but it's not that exciting, you know, because the stuff you do, eh, anyone can do it. Until you really start to analyze it, and you realize maybe they can do it, but they don't. They try to oversmart themselves, or that fear kicks in. You know, I believe that what I've done, anyone could do, but for some reason, you talk yourself out of it. If you say to someone, "Hey, if you could do anything in the world, what would it be?" and they turn around and go, "Oh, you know, I'd I'd play piano with someone," and then they go. Oh, but I don't know how to get high. I can't even play the piano. I wouldn't want to. You say what you want. And then the next 10 minutes telling yourself why it can never happen. Okay. Um, and so when they set about doing this book and they said, Hey, we'd like you to name the famous and the powerful people. And I've, I've worked with clients that have owned things like countries. Um, and I've worked with people that, and I told them, if I mention their names in print, I'm dead by cocktail hour. You know, that's as simple as that. So, uh, I said, I could never do that. And so I ended up doing a speech for a guy called Joe Polish at the Genius Network in Scottsdale. And I did it around, hey, how a bricklayer can be doing this with the Pope and how a bricklayer can be doing this with Elon Musk. Um, And then they came back to me because they'd got wind of that speech. And they said, hang on a minute, forget the names. We want to focus on your methodology. How do you create impact that's very inexpensive? You see, impact is not related to a checkbook. Okay. So I I said, well, okay, we'll do it. So we wrote a book on communication. It's got loads of my stories in there, but it's basically communication, how to get in front of who you want, how to focus the ROI on relationships and how to focus the ROE on your businesses, return on energy. I honestly didn't think it would take off. Okay. I just thought, Hey, this is cool. Simon Schuster is going to allow me to do this book. They paid me very handsomely for it. It came out on October the 13th, uh, I think like two years ago. Um, First couple of months, I think it sold, I don't know, 2,000 copies, less than 2,000 copies over those entire two months. And I remember contacting them and they went, I said, is that good? And they went, "Uh, not really. (laughs) And I went, oh, okay. And I went, oh, should I call next week? And I remember her saying to me, don't worry about it. We'll call you. And I was like, oh, crap following month, it sold 18,000. And just like then went hysterical from there. It's now been uh, translated into Mandarin Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, uh, Polish, um, Korean, and it's been translated into Russian now. So it's just launched me into getting out there because I quite honestly couldn't believe that people are avoiding the simple, stupid stuff in order to be able to brand, grow and build relationships. Wow,
1: that's amazing. So what do you think happened? It came out, people started to read it and then people got started telling other people about it and it kind of had this grassroots fire or
0: what happened that the sales took off after two months? Well, we didn't we didn't even have a website. That's how much confidence I had behind it. I didn't need it to be, I didn't need it to be buying my house. You know, I I already had the business, you know, so I didn't need it for that. A lot of people do a book to make to make money and to I didn't need that. Plus the fact Simon Schuster had already paid me. So my bit was was kind of done. I openly say that I think the book pisses people off. Okay. Um, because they get the book and they go, Well, why aren't I doing that? You know, because people go, oh, I'm going to get a business. So I better get a CRM and I better get a website and the website better have a funnel program and the funnel better be able to do a retarget and be able to do pixels. And I say to people, look, first of all, what is your problem? You know, what is the problem that you want a solution to? You know, find someone that has your problem, create the solution and then find two more. If you can replicate that, you're now in business. Okay. Marketing, branding, and all of that stuff should be done after you establish who you are the solution to. And I think people today in business, they go ask backwards. They brand badly. They don't know how to market. They don't know how to talk to me. I've often said to people, do you know how to talk to a millionaire? Do you know how to talk to a billionaire? Have you ever talked? And they go, no, I never have. The amount of people that build a product or service and then straight away focus on the payment plan. If your business is focusing on the payment plan, then you're targeting the wrong clients. Target clients that the money's not the problem. The solution is, is what they're looking for and people are pay for it.
1: I love that, I love that, I'm taking notes. So <laughs> tell us then, how do you speak to a millionaire? How do you speak to a billionaire?
0: We well, see the funny thing is, and you're quite right, the second you're, if I introduce you to, and I've done this, I've physically done this. My, I run events called uh, Speakeasies, okay? And that make you laugh. Simsspeakeasy.com, and you're going to laugh your nuts off of how little information I give on those events. But I've literally introduced people to millionaires and billionaires and then people that are just starting their own business, Okay. And the billionaires have got no money, okay. And it's been a, it's been a, a game and a challenge of psychology. When I introduce you to a billionaire, you change the way you hold yourself. You know, you kind of like stand up and straight, but you kind of bow your head a little bit, and you're kind of like, "Oh, it's it's an absolute." You're more you're more articulate with your words, okay. If I introduce you to the valet boy, you're like, hello mate, how you doing? You're good, great, good on you." You change based on their monetary profile. You know nothing else, but based on the millionaire and billionaire, you handled them with way more respect than the guy just started out. Okay? Wow. So we did this with an exercise, but the guy started out was actually the only one of the three that was actually a billionaire. Okay? And I got people in this room, and we go, went around, and I got them to just introduce themselves by their financial status or their made-up financial status. The guy was just starting out, had the deepest, best conversations because no one was scared. Because you get intimidated. You have to understand, a billionaire, you're going to need to write this down because it's deep, is a normal person with a billion dollars. That's it, okay? But the second they start going up there, and I'll give you a a perfect example. I went over to Ukraine, and there was a client of mine over there, billionaire, and um, I was waiting for him in his... um, in his office, he comes bouldering into the office. He's got a suit on, he's got a blue suit on and he's got a pair of jeans and a shirt just uh, on a hanger. And he said, look, you know, look away if you want, Steve, but I've got to get this suit off and get my jeans on, get out of this before we can go and get a beer. And I said, yeah, knock yourself out, mate. As he started to take his jacket off, I noticed his jacket was a different color to his trousers. Now they were both blue, but slightly different shade and slightly different sheen. And I said to him, I said, um, you got the wrong pants on then. And he went, what? I said, yeah, look at your pants. I said, you know, I, I would suspect you've probably got another suit and you've mixed up the jacket with the trousers. you got the wrong pants on for the jacket. And he said, I've seen 600 people today <laughs> and you're the only person to have told me that. Yeah. We treat people when they're billionaires differently. Now, here's the daft thing. When you start treating the billionaires and the millionaires as normal people, just talented with now payment, not being an issue, they actually love that. You know, for for last, they're not being treated. They, they, They don't suspect things. Now, you brought it up well. You brought it up straight off. When you meet a rich person, and, and the David Goggins is a perfect example. So let me walk this through. I've been in rooms with very powerful, rich, successful people, and people see them and they start doing this. They start poking and pointing, and then they walk up to them. The person I'm stood next to, you can physically feel their body change because now they're asking in their head Does this person need a selfie? Is this person going to try and sell me something? Does this person want an autograph? Does you want a job? What does this person want? Yeah. Okay. Because they've got profile. Everyone knows who they are. No one knows who the person is coming up to them. Right. Okay? So they get all kind of like tense. And how many times you hear, Oh, I met this celebrity. He was a real asshole. Right. Okay. He doesn't know what the hell you want for Christ's sake. Right. Okay. The best way to get rid of that, walk up to him and go, David, how are you doing? Steve Sims. You don't know me, but now, by saying that, it calms them down. Now, look, you do this show and it's very successful. Have you ever been in a room where someone's come up to you and started to talk, talk to you as though they know you because they listen to your show so much and you're stood there going, do I know this person? Yeah, who, is, I this? Met- <laughs> yeah, who is this? Have I met him at a party? Have yeah. I- this is all going through your head, isn't it? Yes. And while it's going through your head, you're not in the conversation. Right. Okay. Only peripherally you are. Okay. So those are the things that are going on. So when you can meet a billionaire and you can just go, Hey, I know you're very wealthy, but you've got a problem and I'm in a solution. Right. And they go, Whoa, someone's talking to me in fucking English. I like this. I'm now relaxed. Sure. And the amount of times I've been able to just bring, bring the kind of pedestal down and just go, Hey, you know, I, I, I admire what you do, but I'm here to help you solve a problem. And when you walk in with that kind of aspect, you get on an even kill, and that's the best way to handle it.
1: Yeah, I really like that because um, I think what, what we do is if you meet an Olympic athlete, let's say, and because they can run 100 meter in 10 seconds, we put them on that pedestal and then we compare their that result in that one arena to who we feel we are and we diminish our own value where we could be a great accountant or lawyer or what have you. But that seems to be more evidence that they're better than us. And then we become nervous and diminish ourselves, et cetera. So I just love what you said because, you know, just walk up to somebody. Hey, you don't know me. My name is Rock. And I have this thing I'd like to talk to you about, a solution or a question or what have you. And just be a human to a human. I
0: love it. Perfect. You're, you're very accurate. I wish more people would do that. And that was one of the surprising things when i released the book because i found so many people were like oh i don't do that and i'm like why you know i'm amazed at the amount of people that don't have money that sit around with other people that don't have money talking about how to make money (laughs) that makes no logic to me you know I love it. I love it. It's so funny too. And, and then
1: when one of them gets lucky and makes money or saves some, they go to the other ones and they ask for advice on where to invest it.
0: Yeah, that's the best thing in the world, isn't it? No, that's, that's great. And, and the other one that I'm talking to is now a genius because they saw a documentary of it on Netflix. Right.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. All right. So let's do this. Uh, I normally wrap up at this time, but this is way too good. Let's go a little bit over. So um, you spent a lot of time with millionaires and billionaires. Let's talk about some of the things other than the fact that they've gone past the phase of proving they dress generally very normal. I don't know if you know Jeff Hoffman who created Priceline.com. He also did some work with Elton John. You know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent some time with him and he's just such a down-to-earth guy essentially a billionaire and so what are say two or three things that you've noticed that these humans have in common that have allowed them to excel in what i call winning the money game and after all this is rock your money rock your life i find steve that a lot of people and we talked about this before you're working on your health what i call your health garden it's really easy to excel in two three areas of our life at the expense of another area. Mm. So we look at one area and we go, okay, that person's really good. Like Tony Robbins has got great energy. I could model that. Um, Somebody's really good with money. Warren Buffett, I could model that. What are two or three things you've noticed as a commonality with some of these ultra successful people when it comes specifically to money?
0: All right, so let's hit you with the first one. And I'm gonna start, I'm gonna lead in with the biggest one of all failures. Okay, that's the first thing that really hit me. They're all failures, but they don't allow them to. They don't allow their failures to define them. They allow it to refine them. Oof. See the. Oof. Yeah, the Hold, first, on. Hold on. Say that again. Come on. All right. Okay. Only because you asked, Rock. They don't allow their failures to define them. They allow it to refine them. I love it. I've never heard that before. Yeah, so the the way that it works, and I I noticed it, I physically watched it. When you see someone, a, air quote, normal person fail at something, they physically lean back, throw a pity party and go, oh, my God, I've just lost 50 grand. Oh, God, woe is me. Am I going to tell the wife? Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) When you find someone that's successful... Even mentally, same financial position, okay? Because successful people may be in the same financial position as you at the moment. They're just going down a different route. And they're going to get to where they need to be while you're putting your own obstacles in there without realizing. When they make a mistake, they lean forward. They lean into the failure and they go, hang on a minute. Where did that go wrong? You know, where did it trip up? Because nothing fails In totality. Okay. There's one part of it that went wrong. One part. Now, Elon Musk has been reusing the uh, fuel cells from the rockets because that's the most expensive part of a rocket. For ages, they used to land on that floating platform and then trip over and explode. Do you remember seeing those? Mm Mm-hmm. And it would happen every few days, and the press would go, Oh, Elon Musk blows up another $10 million fuser. Oh, this one went over. Oh, look at this explode. When was the last time you see it fall over and explode? I can't remember. That's because it doesn't. You see, the education comes when things go wrong. The education never comes when things go right. Okay? It goes when they go wrong. So these people, they lean into the issues, they lean into the problems, they lean into the failures to find out where is that curb that tripped them up? That was the biggest thing that got me. They have all failures and they go, right, great. Where did it go wrong? That's the first thing that I noticed. The second thing is relationships, okay? They identify with people that can complement themselves. See, everyone needs you know, it's nice to have a cheerleader. Oh, go, Steve, you're brilliant. You can, That's great, but that gets you nowhere, okay? You need challengers. You need supporters. You need people to poke you and go, Rock, hey, I love your podcast, but why do you do it like that? Now, they're not being negative. They're challenging you to refine your talent and skill. So they surround themselves with people that push them. Okay. They make sure they're in the room. And again, as they adjust and as they move and as they develop up river or however you want to put it, they will literally change the room. See, there are people that can get you from a zero to, to, to $10. Okay. There are people that can get you from $10 to $10 million. And then you've got to change that person to get you to a hundred million. So you change the room you're in. They are very focused on making sure they surround themselves with the right people, okay? And here's the final thing, solutions, okay? They always look, and this was very, very corny, um, they look at the problem, okay? Or they look at what's going wrong in something and they don't try to solve the squeaky wheel. They try to work out why they're using a wheel in the first place. Mm. OK, well, there's so many times and I've, I've worked with Elon in Tesla, Gigafactory and SpaceX, and he will look at something and someone will say, well, we've got this machine and we if we do this to it, we can get 30 percent better output. And his first question will always be, why do we need the machine? What does the machine do? Can we outsource it? Can we get a a different way of producing it? Can we produce it in a different part of our plant? Why do we need that machine? He tries to remove as many moving parts as possible. So he looks at the machine rather than making it faster. See how many people actually look at something and go, well, if we put some grease on it and if we do this, and if we put some better time. No, he looks at why do you need that for a start? So people, the, the richer people I've noticed, they look at removing as many moving parts as possible. Wow, that is
1: gold, that is gold. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you need to re-listen to it a couple of times and take notes and listen carefully to the passion and the power behind Steve Sim's words. Wow, what a beautiful thing. You need to go get his book, you need to digest his material, you need to practice going up to millionaires and billionaires and just introducing yourself, just like a regular person that puts your pants on one leg at a time, just like the other person. And just really, really get excited about the potential and possibility. I love it. This has been one of my favorite podcasts ever, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. No, you're awesome. And you're so genuine. And you're so, you know, just articulate, but it, with without it being feeling scripted, whether it is or not, it doesn't feel scripted. So, nah, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, um, if people want to contact you, follow you, learn from you, hire you, spend time with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Uh, there's two. I have a free Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. Um, but you can go to stevedsims.com. You can learn about my coaching programs or join my uh, join my inner circle at simsdistillery.com, where I do live AMAs. And I bring my experts in uh, twice a month so that you, my clients, and the, the members of Sims Distillery can physically ask them questions on any subject you need answered. Geez, I love it.
1: Love it. Just an absolute treat. So thank you so much for joining us here on an episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. If you like what you're hearing here, make sure you subscribe, send us a review, especially after this episode. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be our most popular one ever. I can just feel it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it, Steve. Cheers. Thanks for having me. All right, this has been another episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. I am your host, Rock Thomas, your whole life millionaire mentor. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift. So you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.